The Healing the City podcast is a ministry of the Village Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you enjoy the Healing the City podcast and wish to support it financially, you can go to villagersonline.com, click the We Give tab, and follow the instructions. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Well, welcome to Healing the City Podcast. My name is Eric Seepin, and across from me is Guy Crawford, or Dr. Crawford, is like people like to say. Um, and I have known you for a long time, but mostly yes. in a more, I guess, friendship way in the last, I don't know how many years. Five years. Five years you've been at the village. Mm-hmm. And uh, you are the father of Pastor Mark Crawford and Dr. David Crawford. Those That's are your... True. Two children that go to the village, correct? That is correct. Yeah. Yes. And so you and I had a conversation, I don't know, maybe a month ago, three weeks ago, and you were talking about being a dad, and I was like, <laughs> I want I wish I had recorded this conversation. And oh. so you uh said, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to repeat that, you know. Yeah, it's hard to repeat that. So I thought maybe you could just tell um us a little bit about your life, just growing up, how you got to Tucson, your wife, your kids, just kind of meander on, tell us, tell us a little bit of your story, and then I got a bunch of fun questions. Oh, okay. Well, I was born in Florida. My father was in graduate school, and we spent 10 years in Indiana, where he worked, and then he decided to teach at the University of Michigan, so we moved to Ann Arbor, where I lived for a number of years, where I went to junior high and high school, and college in medical school and actually worked for 10 years as a doctor there met my wife in high school though she didn't care for me that much (laughs) initially took me eight years to convince her that i was worth it eventually she came around and married me and we've been married for 44 years wow so and still going strong so how did you uh end up being a doctor like what how did I end up being yeah, a doctor? So what, what, was, what was the decision process, and then where did you go to school? And Interesting. Well, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I went to college. I was good in science and did quite well. And uh, medicine seemed like a way t- for me to be with people and to be able to work with some of the strengths I had. So I gave it a shot. Um, almost didn't. Almost didn't. I wanted to teach chemistry at uh, the college level and go get a PhD, but last minute changed my mind and applied to medical school, and thanks to the help of my chemistry professor, and got into medical school and became a doctor. So you went to Wayne State? Wayne State University in beautiful downtown Detroit. And how far away is that from Ann Arbor, for those who don't know a lot about it? Oh, less than an hour, depending upon where you're going in Detroit. Okay. Yeah. So... And then you went back to Ann Arbor to practice for 10 years? No, no. I went to a town an hour on the other side of Ann Arbor called Jackson, a little town outside of Jackson called Spring Arbor, and practiced mainly in Jackson, but we lived out in Spring Arbor. So that's where we became, found out about the Free Methodist Church. Okay. That's where we went to school, went to church. Okay, so you were you were going to, to the Free Methodist Church, you were a doctor in Jackson, Bill, how in the world did you end up in Tucson, Arizona? <clears throat> That's a good question. <laughs> Tucson was probably one of the places I would have least likely decided to move to. Um, Betsy and I had always wanted to be missionaries in some capacity, 
we felt that God wanted us to do that. And so at one point in time, it came up an opportunity to be involved with some of the Free Methodist missions in Mexico and have a job with a fellow Christian physician on the American side, and we could uh, Nogales, and we could work both sides. And that occurred in 1994, and we moved down there in January of 94. We had, I had four kids, and my wife was pregnant with the fifth one oh on the goodness. trip down, yeah. That had to be scary. Well, it was, yeah, it was pretty much, pretty much a huge, I'm not good at new things, and so it was very hard for me to do that. But my wife was a good encourager, and, and, and she was pretty excited, and she turned out to have a good sense of where God wanted us to be. So, so were you uh, fluent in Spanish when you? Oh, no. No, no, so no. you had to learn. No, I could say, como esta. That was it. <laughs> I didn't know what it meant, but I could say it. Uh-huh. And uh, I had taken French in college, and so I knew some French, but that was about it. So I came down here. It was there are a lot of interesting stories about my lack of Spanish and being in Mexico all by myself. One time I was I don't know, 21 kilometers down into Mexico, I had to get a sticker for my car and I locked my keys in my car. I didn't I'd only been there 6 months, didn't know enough English or Spanish to find get some help and some guy came up with a hammer and wanted to smash in the window of my car to help me out and I encouraged him not to do that. Eventually I was able to get something up around the top of the window and get it down in and get the keys out. So, so, so that was back yeah. in the day when a, a hanger would work in yeah. your car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a while ago. It was better than busting the window. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, there was a it was a, a big learning curve for you in particular. Huge. Yeah. And you you practiced in Nogales on the American side. That is and then correct. You would go over to the uh, Mexican side to do clinics and things like that? or Well, I did have a clinic for about mm, 15, 20 years, I oh, think. Okay. That was just one morning a week. It wasn't great, but it was out of the church that we had helped plant, and, and I felt it was good for the people in the church to be involved in ministry to their neighbors and trying to help out in something like that. And I had a lot of people that helped me, helped me get, get it set up, get the medications and get the equipment and stuff. And I had someone that was there to greet the patients and be the nurse. So, uh, yeah, it was, and it was fun. I think that was very helpful. Wow. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, it was uh, a lot of fun. Setting up your own clinic. Uh, well, so yeah, that's what I did, now that you mention it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's a cool thing. And so your, your part of the ministry was primarily that, but you also did work with the church and doing discipleship with your wife and things like that? No, I think, yeah, I think the, the, the clinic was sort of a minor okay. minor part. I okay. Mean, I A lot of the people knew I was a doctor, so there was a lot of medical things that I did. And we, sure. a lot of people, and, and they did a lot of, you know, one-day clinics or two- or three-day clinic. We went to different places around Mexico. So we did, I did a fair amount of that, which was fun. Also, and but we were involved in helping develop some of the leaders in Mexico, and they trying different ways of planting a church and different ideas, which is what we spent a lot of our time doing. 
So in the process of doing all this, I mean, you were you headed over with four, and Betsy's pregnant with five. So can you give me like just the names of the kids and their ages? And okay, first of all, we stopped at five. There are no more. So I okay, don't, I don't make me think that. <laughs> just just five. <laughs> yeah, right, right. David's the oldest. He's a doctor here in town now, and he was born in '81, which makes him what 41. And then we had Stephen, who was two years later. And he's now 39, and he's in California. He's uh, just finished seminary. And third was Jane Marie, and she is another two years later. We pretty much had a rhythm going there yeah, for a while. Yeah, you got the two years. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and she was born in 85, so she's 37. And she's married and has a couple kids, and she lives here in town, and she works actually in the same clinic that my son David works at. She works in social work. And... And then we have Mark, Pastor Mark, but I waited three years for Pastor Mark. We, Betsy was involved. And uh, <laughs> and he has his three children and a, a you know, wonderful wife. All my kids have wonderful spouses. I've been, we've really been blessed by that. It's exciting. And so then the last one was my baby who was six years later and she was born in Nogales. So she's Got a lot of Mexican influence in her, and she's now 28 and just got married last summer to a wonderful young man. So and they live in California. And she's a she's a counselor. She at a church, well, she she a, she, a worship she she's a worship leader at her church, and she works for the church in various capacities. Okay, okay. And but she does she did get a counseling degree from seminary also. Okay, okay, yeah. So you raise these kids, and, and so I uh, <clears throat> have known you for five years, but I've known your kids for a really long time. Yeah, you actually first met me back, I think it was 2005 or 2006, yes. and we came periodically. Yeah, and you'd visit. And um, so one of the things that really struck me in talking in particular to David, but also as I've talked to Mark a lot, is that they talk very highly of Betsy and you, and in particular the, the men, uh, the two guys that I know. I, I don't really know Stephen that well. Um, but Mark and David have always talked highly of their relationship with you and the safety that they felt with you. Even when they had messed things up, they felt safe talking to you. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering if you could just reflect a little bit on why you think that is, why you think you're, you're at least those two sons feel very comfortable with you and talking to you. And, and well, I, I, I guess cause I don't know. I listen to them and try not to be judgmental. I love them. I love my kids and I want to know what's going on. And I like to hear and I like to walk with them through those things. And and quite honestly, I've made a lot of mistakes, had a lot of troubles and struggles at times. And so I know that it's what happens in life. So, so one of the things that impressed me um, and really kind of, inspired me to be very consistent in engaging my children on a regular basis was in particular way i guess when your son was in college and not doing well mm-hmm. david you went up and met with him on a regular basis or really well it was it, there was one big event that had been occurring and we had been having some communication and i just said i wanted to talk to him and i came up there and we took a long walk and talked and shared and and uh Worked it all out, and then, I mean, didn't have anything to work out, but we just talked about it, and he opened up and shared. And he's very open, a very open young man. And uh, I don't know, I don't want to take credit for it, but 
we have a good relationship. Yeah. Part of it is they're good kids. You know, it's kind of, <laughs> well, it's you had a, a part to play in that. So, I mean, can you talk a little bit about, so what we had a conversation about and really I think was interesting to me and we maybe we can start out with a funny story is uh, when Stephen, who's the second born, was coming home, you went into your son's let, let me you, tell the you story tell you're gonna mess up the story, mess the story up. See, i knew if i could just <laughs> butcher the story you'd you'd be able to tell it much better than me well i mean david uh was not quite two when stephen was born and, and he was still in a in a crib and and i came home stephen was born a little after a little before midnight and i came home and walked in the room and i looked down at him and i you know i i I don't remember if I started bawling, but I sure felt like it. I said, David, I'm sorry. I have just changed your life forever. <laughs> it will never be the same again. But, I mean, it was just an emotional moment of realizing that, you know, second kid changes things. And, yeah. And you don't have any say in it. But, right, right. So I don't know what the significance of that was. But no, it was, but it's, a, it's a, just your compassion for your children is really um, beautiful. Um so as a young father, like what were some of the things you did as a father that you thought were really good and you would love to see passed on and some things that were, you're like, man, that's probably not a good idea to do. Wow. You know, I don't, I don't want to put myself out as a model father or anything like that, but I, I, I genuinely loved my kids and I wanted to be a part of their lives. Um, just, I wanted to be with them, and I wanted to walk through things with them. I didn't, I just enjoyed that. I did, I was busy. I was a doctor. I was doing a, deliveries at that time, so there were a lot of nights where I was gone and things like that. And so when I did have a chance, I wanted to be with them. I would pop them in the car whenever I went anywhere. We never, I never went anywhere by myself. I always took one of the kids or two of the kids with me just because it was time to be together and laugh and do goofy things. One time I was driving down the road with three of them in the back seat and I was pretending like I didn't have any teeth and was talking real funny and we were just giggling and having a grand old time and I talked back to him and all of a sudden a policeman came up behind us and pulled us over because I had gone right past the slow down marker. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he looked in and saw the kids all laughing in the back seat and he said, yeah, I'll just be more careful next time. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so some part of it seems like you well what it seems like is that you really enjoyed your kids oh but that took a mindset. how could you not enjoy it but, but you know i mean it's hard for some well, that's true, fathers right? like how, how did you kind of what what kind of mindset when you worked all day and you're tired what did it take to like just step into their lives and not be about you you know, Eric, I, I don't really know. It was never a problem. There was never a question of that. Um, I just just did it because I wanted to be with them. I wanted to be around them. I wanted to be a part of their lives. I didn't want them to have to come after me all the time. Hmm. So, so, like, so part of it is that you really wanted your children not to have to search for you. Well, you know, I don't think that was a conscious thought. Yeah. You know, looking back, I think that's part of it. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to be available. You know, I chose to be a doctor. I chose to be a busy doctor, um, and I didn't want them to have to pay a price. You know, 
because of that. So when I did have free time, I wanted to be with them and with the family and doing things. That, you know, I mean, I, I'd get up at 5.30 or 6 in the morning, go across the street and play basketball for an hour so that when I got home, they were just getting up. We used to do that and things like that. So you, you know, take time when they're sleeping or not do, when they're busy. So. Right, right. So what are some of the things that, you're, that maybe you wish you'd done differently as a young dad or as, just as a father in general? Well, I wish I hadn't made so many mistakes. No. <laughs> well, maybe you could talk about a, a few of those, or just and you could be general about them because you know I want to protect the kids. Well, yeah, and stuff, I mean, but. one thing I, you know, discipline and you know when the kids reach certain ages and start misbehaving is always always a challenge, and and sometimes you don't do it right. I try tried to not get overwhelmingly angry in the moment but have them you know go back to my bedroom we talk about it and do whatever else needs to be done and just the having a time for me to process my anger and I didn't wasn't always successful at that I'm sure they'll tell you that there are times where I sort of lost control but my goal my desire was to not have that happen but you know, you don't always succeed. There were times when I'd get home late and miss something and something that was important to them, and you feel bad about that. So, so there's things like, I don't know, that was, I mean, one thing that people need to understand from my perspective now that I'm an old man is that you aren't going to do it perfect. You know, no one is a perfect parent, and the harder you try to be perfect, the more you're going to screw up. You just have to love your kids, you know, and, and try to get to know them, try to be a part of their lives. I mean, that's what I did, and I don't know. It worked okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it did. Oh, I, mean, I think the thing I hear you repeat a lot is that you you need to love your children, you need to try to get to know them, and you need to be available to them. Those are the three things that you repeat a lot. Yeah, probably. You know, it's. I think so. You know, I mean, it's like... I don't know. I think this is kind of funny, but when David was little, I used to always hold him up by one hand, you know, in the bed. And I just hold him up there, and we'd laugh. He'd laugh, and I'd laugh. And every once in a while, he'd throw up, and he'd land right in my face. And that was just that was just giggles glory. You know? <laughs> it's like no, but anyway, it's just little little times like that that were just fun. It's fun. I enjoyed being with them. I think. I mean, I seem to. My memories are that. <laughs> that's what you got. Well, and you still think. really enjoy being with them. That's very evident. Yeah, I do. I do. So where did that come from, do you think? I mean, did you have that in your own childhood where you, you were really confident in how much your dad enjoyed you? Or was that some kind of decision somewhere you're like, no, I'm I'm going to be in here with my kids? I I don't know, Eric. I have no idea. My dad... You know, fought in World War II. He was in the era when kids were to be seen but not heard, you know, or whatever the phrase was. It, you know, and so they he was busy with his stuff. And, you know, he was very, he asked, you know, he, you know, if he didn't get the right grades, he didn't do the right, you know, sports act, you know, whatever it was, there was a little bit of the sense that, you know, I got to do better. But I... I don't know. I think, my, you know, my dad loved me. He cared about me. He was, he wanted to know. He wanted to be, communicate with me as I got older, you know, and they 
wanted to be a part of our lives, but it was definitely not the way I did it. Yeah, it was different. Yeah. It was different. Yeah. So I, I, when you were talking, one of the things I was just thinking is, and I, since I've known you for a while, like I know what your relationship with God looks like, and I, I'm just curious, how do you think that impacted um, your parenting, and how did God help you understand how to be a parent? Is there... Can you speak to that at all? Just well, I think it's a. I think it was a hundred percent a God thing, or whatever you want to say. I think God uh, was working through me, you know, to help me. In, in I, I don't think I would have done all the things the way I did without friends, you know, and, and uh, time with the Lord and time with believers, and and I think that had a lot to do with it. That my dad didn't really have. It wasn't really something mm-hmm. in his life. Well, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. So, I mean, I know you don't like to put yourself forward as an expert, and I don't think anybody is trying to say, oh, you know, Guy can now write a couple books and give us tips in parenting. But I do think you have a lot of experience. But not on top of that, uh, you you know, you've been a doctor and you've worked with children a lot and you've just kind of seen things. So as you look at, you know, you look at your own children and, and as they deal and your grandchildren and you've just seen where, you know, you see people in your office and all. what is it that you think, what, what do people need to know? Like, what is it like as a, like as a parent, what, what do you wish, how do you wish people would engage their kids differently as you think about things? Like, well, you, I think, I think part of the, the key is to engage your children and allow them to give their opinion, allow them to talk about things. Sometimes it's just a matter of listening, I guess. I mean, that seemed to work for me. Um, and and to, to have fun. I mean, we did a lot of things that my children thought I was funny. I, I mean, I'm sure in, in hindsight, they probably don't think that as much as they did back then. <laughs> but I was... I was uh, you know, we would just do. I, I it's hard to explain. I, I just did a lot of goofy things with them, and we would just laugh. The kids would laugh, and I'd get them laughing. We used to wrestle at night before they went to bed, you know, and we'd do rolling around and just had fun. And as long as they were laughing and I was laughing, we were okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so, did you like? Like I think I vaguely remember you saying you sang to your children at night. Or how did you do bedtime? Because you know one of the things that I noticed that I mean we struggled when we our kids were little and we came up with systems. But I see parents struggle a lot with getting their kids to bed, and it becomes an hour long process. And, you know, it's a battle. And I'm curious, like what did you do with your little kids? Did was it a long thing, or did you have a system? How did you get your kids in bed? Well, I mean, I'm sure part of it is just the kids i mean sure. we didn't really have a you know one of our children had a little bit of colic that was an issue sometimes and i can remember having her in my in a little bouncer seat that they don't use anymore and i'd be playing the piano while i'm bouncing her to the the beat of the tune and and she was this is when she was before she was one and she would just sort of drift off and so it was kind of that helped i i used to the house that we lived in had 
three stories, and there was one, just one bedroom in the very top story, and there was also a basement. But second story is where the kids had their rooms, and I, in the first floor was where the piano was, but it was right at the bottom of the stairs. And I would just play and sing hymns. You know, I'm not a great piano player, but, and I definitely am not a good singer. It's amazing that all my children turned out to be so musically inclined, having listened to me sing every night. <laughs> but I, it happened, I don't mm. know. So I would, yeah, I would play the piano and sing, and I loved it, and, and it seemed to calm them down. I mean, they seemed to have... Did they, they try to get you to play more? Um, like at night when, so they could stay up a little longer? It wasn't really an issue. I mean, sometimes they, they would yell down to play some more, but that was only if I was trying to cut it short or something. <laughs> so, no, I don't know. I don't really recall that. I mean, I didn't, okay. do, it. I didn't do it every night, but, you know, I'd tuck them in, and, and of course, Betsy was a part of it, too. Yeah. And so, Definitely. So it was, it was just sort of a fun thing. Music was a big part of our lives, you know, because my wife's very musical, and the kids all turned out to follow in her footsteps in that regard. So they all could sing. You know, we could sit around the piano, and I could play, and they could sing, and and it was always kind of fun. Oh yeah, that sounds and great. So we we did. You know, it wasn't all the time, but we sure. did once in a while and have a good time. So it seems like, I mean. You 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 have a busy job. You guys are doing ministry, but you managed to to have a strong family identity. Well, I think so. Yeah, it seemed like you created that by connecting with your kids and connecting them to each other. And but I'm sure that they fought a lot, right? Oh yeah. How did you handle some oh, of yeah. that? Like some of the fighting? Because you got five kids. Fighting's going to happen. Yeah, well, that's well, part of it. Is yeah, you just have to accept it's going to happen. You don't have to. It, one thing that I always reminded myself of it is that I'm I'm raising adults I'm not raising kids so you can have kids that are just perfect they don't ever do anything wrong and they grow up to be lousy adults the whole idea is for them to learn to you know deal with life you know and not just be afraid mm. you know to toe the line but there was I don't I'm trying to think I would I would sit down and talk to them and Sometimes yell at them, sometimes act inappropriately, and uh, sometimes just listen to them and hear what they have to say, and and trying to resolve it. I don't really, didn't have a magical formula. Just, yeah, just sort of pulled them aside and sat down and listened and talked it through. It seems like you did have a magical formula, and you just don't <laughs> believe it. But I really think it is. You love them. You engage I them. I do that. Right? Yes. I mean, those are love and engage. Is, is what you, you operated on. And listen. Love, engage, listen. That was your parenting. That's probably true. And, and you seem pretty like faithful to that. I'm curious, though, um, as you parented with Betsy, like, uh, I mean, early on, you guys brought probably different philosophies to parenting, different understandings, how the kids should be parented. How did you deal with some of that in your marriage? Like, I'm sure there are times where she disliked the way you were parenting and vice versa. Well, if she did, she didn't really tell me. Okay. I mean, I well, think. Oh, wow. That's, that's I cool. Mean, I think, I, I'm sure there were times she's thinking, Guy, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and, the, you know, there are times. I mean, she was with them, uh, you know, when they were younger, she was with them more than I was. Right. You know, she was at home with them and had them involved in play groups and things. She was very involved and had a lot to do with the way they are. And uh, she seemed to love to engage them and she. She obviously pushed the music issue, which the kids, most of them, seem to enjoy. Uh, 
Did you ever experience the kids trying to like play the two of you against each other or mom said I could do this or? Oh yeah. I think every kid does that. Yeah. And I, I, that's one of the things about parenting that, that is challenging is you have to remain engaged or vigilant or whatever. You know, when you tell your child not to do something, you, you need to watch them. I mean, you, need to, you know, you know, the corner of your eye or what, you need to follow up and see what they're doing. If they go right to mother and, you know, then Betsy doesn't have a clue what I just told them. Right. And so you have to sort of address those issues. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just a matter of being engaged with them and finding out what they're doing and watching them, being with them. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's really cool. So now that you have all adults, like the youngest is what, 27? 28. 28? Yeah. Um, so now you're you're a parent of adult children. Uh, what's that like? I I love it. I honestly do. I mean, my children all married wonderful people, and, and it's like doubled the pleasure for me. I mean, I I can sit down with my daughters-in-law without my sons being there and hold a conversation and enjoy the time and interact well. And same with my son-in-laws. It just is to to have that extra. And to what's fun for me is to to see them love each other, you know. To see my son-in-law look at my daughter, and you know, you can tell that he really loves her. Hmm. And he, you know, and then for me, that's just very comforting. Yeah, it makes me feel good. Yeah, I understand that. So, um, so like, so your son, your youngest son, is. One of your pastors, yes, yes, he is, <laughs> and and your other son is in a in a in a pilgrim group or like a Bible study with you, where tough things are shared. And so, what's the experience of where now you kind of you're in the mix where your kids can speak into your life as adults? Well, that's how that's how that's a really challenging transition. It it is. I I would like to think that I've done it. That I'm sure there are times when I fail. But I like to, I think I purposely listen to them, you know, hear their idea. Don't try to jump in and correct them or go in a different direction. I don't, they, they seem to have good ideas and I, I enjoy listening to that. I don't know. I, it's not a, I didn't really consciously sit down and say, you know, this, you know, I'm going to have to listen better here. I just wanted to hear what they had to say. Hmm. You know, I just want to, you know. It's hard to sometimes listen to your son preach and you're thinking, <laughs> you know, like, what's wrong with this picture? But, <laughs> right. But, but, you know, I, he has a lot to say and a lot to share. So, and David has preached some too. And, yeah. So both you've had to sit under both yeah, your sons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Pilgrim Group was uh, very interesting. Very, it is hard to really open up about things but you know your kids open that door and make it make it easier for you to you know take on a different role so to speak yeah so i know that you will probably say well i didn't consciously do this but what i hear over time is that you nurtured an affection for your kids like it wasn't like and because there had to be times when you're like I'm choosing to love this kid right now, but I'm, but that, or to be engaged, but I don't feel like being here. 
Did that? Did, do you ever have that experience? You're like, I didn't want to be here, but I am here, and I'm going to be present. Like, how did you nurture that? Because I can tell you, as a father, I have adult children too, and I sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm having a, I'm having a hard time right now. Just you know, thinking you're a cool person. <laughs> <laughs> well, gosh, more uh, when they were little, but yeah, yeah, yeah right. Uh, I don't. I don't really have a lot of remembrance of consciously saying, well, I've got to engage better here. I've got to do this. It just was something I enjoyed doing. And so, I don't know, Eric. No, that's it's, good. It's that's good. It's hard to, it's hard to understand it. I mean, I don't think, I don't think I was a better dad than anyone else. No, but, no, no. But I did, I just, the kids were great. I loved them, and I still do, and it's still a big part of my life, and I'm thankful for that. And uh, it's hard having two of them in California, but we get to go and see them, so yeah, it's fun. It's fun to just have them share what's going on in their lives, and that's what I want to hear. Yeah, how they're doing and what's happening. I don't know. So, so what are just the, as we kind of wrap up? Uh, I'll take you out of the spotlight so you don't have to be. But there, there's some things like. And maybe you could add some things to this because I've told you this before, but I don't know if you really grasped it. Like at least, I mean, I remember David telling me that in high school he went out to lunch with you and that was a very important thing. It's in his memory. And maybe I've got this story no, wrong. No, it was in, it was more in elementary school. Was it in elementary school? Either way, like that consistency uh-huh. had such an impact on him that it had an impact on me and saying, I want to give that to my children. I want my children to feel that way, that, that the, the safety that that provided and the like sense of I'm important to my dad. Like that was a big deal. That was one of the things you did was just that regular meeting with your kids. That, that I, was fun though. Yes. It was fun. <laughs> You're a man of fun. That's <laughs> Have fun with your kids. I, I think, well, it, 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 it covers a multitude of evils in some yeah. way. Right. I mean, it, it offers, uh, a sense of, of safety, just goofing off and stuff. But like that, that willingness to do that, the playing the piano and being willing to be engaged and, and with your kids. I think the thing that you said that inspired me to do this podcast was you said, I knew that I was away from my kids a lot. So I was yes. going to, that was a conscious choice. I made a goal. Uh, one of my goals was that I would always be with my kids when I was free. Like right. I would, they, they didn't choose me to be a doctor like this is my thing that i they just have to go along with the ride so trying to make that as easy for them and to be have access to you was really meaningful to me like it's like it helped me think about my parent well access like children having access to you and you not have like them not having to find you you finding them those are big things is there anything other rhythms that you did as a father just like you know you get play like one of the things if a kid spits up on you, right, there's two kinds of reactions you could have. And you chose to engage that as part of life. And, and, and so there's some of just sounds like the joy of life itself you were willing to be part of. It's messiness and it's funniness. That's just kind of, you know, obviously you didn't do it perfectly, but that was part of what oh, you Oh, no, I didn't do it. No, I, I would never even pretend to do that. But, yeah, I just, I mean... It, the bottom line is I really did love my children. I love my time with them. And I still do. And 
I'm thankful for any time they have for me, and that's. Uh, and you're right. And when I was a doctor that was busy, I had to consciously make sure that I didn't get engaged in too many other things that took me away. And because I enjoyed being, we used to read, read books. I would read books to them, and the kids would just all be, you know, we're we gonna read now. Don't see that nowadays, of course, with screen time and stuff like that. But yeah, that helped us, I think, engage more. Yeah, that was a. It was fun. My, yep. wife, my wife used to read to them, but when they got to the bigger, longer books, I would do the reading. And how long did that sort of reading to your kids go? Do you remember when it sort of finally petered out? Well, I think when they, you know, when when the older ones got to, you know, high school, you know, and middle school, they would, you know, they could read all these stories on their own. So, right. You know, but it was always when they were in late elementary, early middle school, we used to. You know, I remember sitting there. I mean, the three oldest were, and then then Mark, and then Caroline, because you know, at different ages, different stories. So. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Hmm. I don't know. Well, one last question. Kyle. All right. So, because you you parented daughters and you parented sons, and that's different. Yes, so it is. It's you, very different. Can you talk a little bit about like the differences and sort of how you maneuver maneuvered that and negotiated some of that? That's a whole, you know, other other talk altogether. I uh, well, that's you yeah. Could, you can kind of wet people's appetite. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah. I mean, I tried. You know, I mean, I don't know. The boys, we would always do. What did we do? I don't know. I don't can't think of anything major different that I did with them from the girls. Obviously. They're girls, so there were different times where I did right. different things. So. Sure, sure. Well, I guess like one thing you said that I thought was interesting was that you you didn't say I look at how my daughter in laws look at my sons. You yeah. said how I look at how my son okay. or maws look at I mean, my. I've been <laughs> caught out in that. You know, I thought about that when I said it. I thought, oh, I didn't say the other way. Around. Well, but I think there's something important about that as a dad. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah. You're right. It was very important to me. I mean, it was very important that they, that your daughter, and it's very important that they end up with someone who loves them and cares for them. And, you know, I mean, it's I, my daughter-in-laws are all wonderful. I, you know, I wouldn't, sure. I wouldn't trade them for anything. But uh, it's sort of a different thing with a daughter, I guess, as a father, seeing them go out on their own. I used to tell, I told my daughter Jane that I went from being first to second when she got married, and then when she had her son, I told her I went to third, and then she had another son. I said, "Now I'm fourth. I'm not even in the race anymore." So, <laughs> but well, there's there's something about being like the center of the affection of your daughter, right? And that affection, you it, you want it to go to somebody who's going to love them. You want someone, yes, right, right, and so that's that's a that's a good point. Yeah, okay, I can't lie with the last question because I do have one other thing. Okay. But I think it'll just kind of pull it back to your relationship with Jesus. So I mean, one of the things that Marx has said in his sermons about how every morning he would get up and see Betsy and you reading your Bible. How did you bring that into your family? Uh, how did you bring Jesus? I mean, I, I know for dads, like, there's a lot of pressure for Christian dads. They feel like, oh, I'm supposed to do all this stuff. And I'm supposed to be the, you know, bring the, the spiritual food to the family or whatever. And, and that, I think that's an undue, like, pressure. But... How did you bring your your relationship with God? Well, I think I think my children seeing 
that God was important to me and that the time with the Lord was important to me, you know, made them realize that this is something, you know, because I would get up. I mean, I, I used to get up really early. I had my time with the Lord, and then I did some exercise, and then the kids So how early did you get up? It depends. Sometimes four, sometimes five. It just depended on what time I had to be at work, you know, depends okay. what was going on. But I thought, you know, they they sometimes they would come in and you know, ask me what I was looking at, and we'd talk about it. Uh, I'm not, I wasn't a great, I, I don't have any great answers as to how you instill that. I think if you love your children and you love the Lord and they know that, they they will want to know that why that's important to you, and sharing with them. You know, we we used to read. We had the Advent. You know, like the different things that we did when they were little. When they're bigger, it's you know they're starting to make their own decisions. So mm-hmm. you have to wait and just talk to them when they want to, and they've all talked to me about that. So that's cool. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, I think what what I hear you saying is that you made your faith visible and I accessible, think so. and I yeah. think that's and my wife did. She's, yeah, no, I mean, and she's a very godly woman. I actually intend to interview her too, but this <laughs> start with you. Oh no, you're gonna find out some stuff about me that's gonna be get, getting a <laughs> getting the the guy who doesn't want to be in front of the mic first the <laughs> out there. It's anyway. good. Now I really appreciate just what you um, had to offer, and I think. You you may not think it, but I, you're inspiring to mm-hmm. me, and I think you can inspire people. And some of it is just the fact that you don't get ruffled by it. You really like wanted to be with your kids, and you were willing to face whatever kind of crazy that would mean for you. Um, yes, and and so, and you sacrificed. I mean, I think one of the big things is that you sacrificed things maybe that you wanted to do for them in the sense that like or think other things that you could have done right, right? you sacrifice maybe hobbies or different True. things like that so True. that you could love your children they became the hobby and right. and i think that's what's i i find cool and i think what i hear in uh young fathers and young parents is this longing to have their time and their kid time and then their work time like they want it all to be separated and they want some special time for themselves and and I think that yeah, you need to find ways to to be healthy, but kids. Yeah, yeah, that you do have to. I understand that. I understand that completely. But for me, it was well. Anyway. Yeah, for you, it was. It, I mean, I I did have my time. Yeah, I, I but I just had to arrange it when they weren't available when right. there wasn't time right. for them. So. Yeah. But, well, I feel like I hear you saying that your kids were your mission. Yeah. That's, you know, one of those things is, ah, sorry. Um, yeah, I think so. I, I mean, yeah, I think that's a fair. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I know this is not the, is not the, your most favorite thing to do. In oh, fact, yeah, this is no. your first time, right? In front yeah, of the, probably my last, but. <laughs> oh. but. I really enjoyed it, and I'm glad that you were willing to offer a little bit of your story. Well, I hope uh, it's I hope it's helpful. You know. I know it's helpful. Anyway. Thank you very much. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to Healing City Podcast with Eric Seepin and Guy Crawford. Ta-da. Sorry, Eric. Hope that was okay. That was great. That's a weird sensation. <laughs>